God. But is that the God of America? That's kind of another situation. I know that in the Bible, there are a lot of, bio, there are a lot of uh, gods listed. I wrote down, I went through and researched this out and found out all the names of the gods that was listed in the Bible. And there's a bunch of them. Some of them were familiar with, maybe some of them were not. And this is only the ones listed in the Bible. For as many, as we know that in uh, Greek mythology, they have a lot of gods. And we know that on, when Paul preached on Mars Hill that day, he preached to the unknown god, because they didn't want to miss anybody. So there's probably 10,000s and thousands of gods that people worship. But in the Bible, there's a few of them. There's this Astaroth. She was the goddess of the moon, sexual love and fertility. Of course, we're all familiar with the golden calf that they made in the wilderness. They worshiped that, and they partied a lot and got in trouble. We, uh, goddess Diana, she's the goddess of the moon hunting wild animals and virginity. Gad, he was the god of good fortune. Nice to have a god of good fortune if you want good fortune. So they invented a god for that. Hermes was the Greek god of commerce, science, invention, eloquence, and theft. I don't know how you can be a god of theft, but they got one. Nehushtan. That was a bronze serpent that the children of Israel worshipped in the wilderness. Remember when they were in the wilderness wandering around and the snakes come and bit them? And they were dying. So he told Moses, put up a serpent on a serpent. A serpent. I'll get in a minute. A serpent on a pole. And whoever looks upon the, on the serpent will be healed. Well, they did that. And then after the snake issue was gone, they decided, well, hey, we've got to worship this thing. So they made that into God. And it was probably years and years and years later that Josiah actually destroyed that finally after years of uh, wandering from that point. So they'll worship anything. Israel worshipped a lot of things. There was um, many, which is the heathen, another heathen god of fortune. There's Tammuz, a Babylon fertility god. Zeus, who was a supreme god of the ancient Greece. Zeus was the number one god. So there's a lot of gods in the Bible that's mentioned. And there's a lot of gods that you could probably think of through all the different religions that we have. And you might say, well, yeah, but those are idols. We don't worship idols. We're, we're, we're America. We don't worship idols here. Hmm, you'd be surprised. I was amazed when I went through and looked at the different gods and looked up Baal. Now, that was a real popular god. They had Baal here and Baal there and everywhere. They had a Baal with something else attached to behind it. And Baal actually means Lord. That's how it's defined. So, Baal of fortune, Lord of fortune. Well, I found out that in America, we have a lot of Baal worshiping going on. We have a lot of it. You can even buy the little statues. I was amazed if you look it up there, all the gods that you can buy statues of or idols of. And I, I, was, I was totally amazed to find that. And we say, well, yeah, but those are, we don't do that. No, we just worship Baal football, Baal Brent Farr, Baal Steve Young, Baal Tom Brady, Lord of football. Hey, or what about Baal Corvair, Corvette? Bail Chevy, Bail Ford, 4x4, four four, diesel engine. No, we have a lot of gods, don't we? <laughs> we have to be careful that we don't allow that to enter into our own lives because there is a difference. We have a show on Channel 13. comes out, I only watched it once, only because we was at our son's house and he liked to watch it, called American Idol. Now, man, they got that right. And in Utah during this last thing that they had, there was such an uproar over David Archuleta because he was from Utah. 
And all these people were gathering and falling all over him because why? Lord David, Baal David. Uh, song, song, he's a singer. We have movie stars that are our idols. We get so excited about, oh, I got to run here and get all excited and make a fool of myself because, oh, it's Hannah Montana's come. Oh, man, she's so great. And I'm screaming in the back, oh, yeah. Baal, Hannah Montana. <laughs> Baal, Madonna. Baal, well, you can put it, whatever you can think of. Movie stars. Singers, Britney Spears, well, yeah, all these people. And we, and we sit there and we don't look at the reality of that. But that's what it is. They are gods. They are idols that people in America are worship. And there's this other god that is listed in the Old Testament. And his name was Moloch. Now, he was a kind of a, a not a very good god that they had. And what he was is they had a, was a large statue that they had. I don't know how big he was, big this statue was. I didn't get that information. But he would stand there and he had his arms out like this. And parents would bring their babies in and place him in Molech's arms and do whatever they do or pray or whatever that they do to this idol. And after that was over, they would just push it backwards and there was a fire there. And they would sacrifice their, their kids to Molech in the fire. And we say, oh man, nothing like that could happen here. This is America. We wouldn't tolerate that. Oh yeah? We had 1.4 million Abortions last year in America. We're not sacrificing to a God with a fire in it. No, we're sacrificing our children to the God of a career. The God of, well, I don't want anybody to know that I was doing things I shouldn't be doing. So I'm going to get rid of it. Oh, the God of my own convenience. I don't have time. I'm sacrificing it to the God of time. I can't afford it. I'm going to sacrifice to the God of money. And we killed a lot more in America than they ever killed, sacrificing to Moloch. We've had, what, 42 billion, I think a million, what is it, 42 million, I think it was, yeah, 42 million since 1972 have been sacrificed in abortion. But we got, we're not an uproar at it as a nation. I mean, it sickens me. It sickens me to death. But America's a rule? Oh, it's not even alive. It's just a fetus. That's the way, because if you give something an identity, if you give something a name, then it all of a sudden becomes real. So we can't, we just call it a fetus. That's all it is, just a fetus. But we are sacrificing in America since 1972, 42 million people. And of that 42 million, maybe we had the one that they, that they sacrificed had the secret to, to AIDS vaccine. Maybe he was the great leader that America needed right now. Who knows? We don't know because we've killed them all as, as America. And we say, well, I didn't do that. Not me personally. Well, I can't say that because when, before I was a Christian, my niece was molested by her father and she got pregnant. And I, like the society, thought, well, you've got it. There's no big deal. Just go get rid of it because no sense ruining your life. No sense doing that and having to admit that what happened to you. We'll just get rid of it. And so we, we loaned them the money to get it done. But when I seen the movie called The Cry of the Innocent or something like that, where they actually filmed an abortion. And this was just in the first early stages of an abortion, where they're ripping that baby apart and pulling it out of there. There's no doubt in my mind after that. I don't care. And I wasn't a, if, I, if I wasn't a Christian, I could not ever, ever do that. And that's what we need to do. We need to show those kind of things to our country. And then abortion would go down. Because 
Most of us in our hearts believe that that's not right, whether you're Christian or non-Christian. Of course, Christians, we, we know that because we're Christians and God witnesses in our life. But the, ha- the problem is we've traded our gods. And this is not, not something new. If you follow the Old Testament, you know this is something they've done over and over and over again. They'd serve God, they'd have a revival, and then all of a sudden the complacency come in, and then they started worshiping idols. And Jeremiah 2, 11 through 13 says that a nation has traded it in its gods for gods that aren't even close to gods. But my people have traded my glory for empty God dreams and silly God schemes. Stand in shock, heavens, at what you see. Throw up your hands and disbelieve. This can't be. God's decree, my people have committed a compound sin. They've walked out on me. The fountain of flesh, the fountain of flesh, fresh flowing waters, and then dug citrons that leak. Citrons that are no better than sieves. If you know anything about cisterns, you don't want to have a cistern. It's your water supply that has holes in it. And that's what we're doing in America. We've exchanged our gods. Now, a lot of people today, there's a lot of controversy over saying, well, America wasn't founded a Christian nation. Well, I went through and I got a few little things, statements that you might be interested in. As Christians, we need to know this because otherwise we'll follow, fall for all that deceit out in the world that says this wasn't founded a Christian nation. In 52 of the 55 signers of the Declaration of Independence were deeply committed Christians. The other three all believed in the Bible as the divine divine truth, the God of Scripture, and his personal intervention. And that same group that wrote the Declaration of Independence, the next year started the American Bible Society. And their first order of business was to order 20,000 Bibles so they could get their people educated, so they could learn from the Bible. Patrick Henry in 1776 wrote, it cannot be emphasized too strongly or too often that this great nation was founded not by religionists, but by Christians, not on religion, but on the gospel of Jesus Christ. For that reason alone, people of other faiths have been afforded freedom to worship here. America provides freedom of worship, not freedom from religion, but freedom of the government dictating what you're going to believe, because that happened in the past. And a lot of these dictatorship countries, they have that rule. If you're in a Muslim country, you have to be Muslim. If you're not, they'll kill you. That's the reality of it. But America, they didn't want that because when they came here on the Mayflower, they came so they wouldn't have to have a government-sponsored religion, that people would have the freedom to worship as they chose. They could be whatever they wanted to be. If they wanted to worship as a Baptist, Assembly of God, whatever it might be, they had that freedom. And that's what it is. It isn't separation of church and state. It's separation of the government's intervention into the churches. And the problem we're having is because God, the government is trying to regulate those things. If they keep their nose out of the business, let the church do the church stuff and let the, them do, run, run the way the thing they need to do, we wouldn't have any problems. George Washington, in his farewell speech on uh, September 19, 1776, excuse me, 1796, says, It is impossible to govern the world without God and the Bible. Of all the dispositions and habits that lead to political prosperity, our religion and morality are the indispensable supporters. Let us with caution indulge the supposition that morality can be maintained without religion. Reason and experience both forbid us to accept, expect that our national morality can prevail in exclusion of a religious principle. You can't be moral without any religious principles embedded in our life. So if we raise a generation of immorality, whose fault is it? We're not raising them by the Bible. When we're not get away from God's word, hey, everyone does, does, if it feels good, do it. 
John Adams, an address to the military leaders. Now, this was military leaders. We have no government armed with a power capable of contending with human passions, unbridled by morality and true religion. Our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to govern to the government of any other. Why are we having problems in America? Because we're trying to govern, we're trying to raise our society without God. And the constitutional founders said you can't do that. You take God out, you can't have a government. And that's why we're in all this conflict. We wouldn't have to worry about it if people were all Christians that was making the laws. And the first justice, Jay, John Jay said, when we select our national leaders, if we are to preserve our nation, we must select Christians. Providence has given to our people the choice of their rulers, and it is the duty as well as the privilege and interest of our Christian nation to select and prefer Christians to be their rulers. Wow. If we did that, what a difference would make. And they say, oh, separation of church and state? That don't sound like any separation to me. Prove you're a Christian. Then I'll vote for you. That's what they said. He can't even run for office if he wasn't a Christian. John Quincy Adams, the highest glory of the American Revolution was this. It connected in one indissoluble bond, the principles of civil government with the principalities of Christianity. In 1782, the United Congress voted this resolution. The Congress of the United States recommends and approves the Holy Bible for use in all our schools. Wow. They didn't only want the religion in there, they commanded it. That was a resolution. I wonder what they did with that one. I wonder whether that revelation, revolution's flowing around. They don't want to hear those. But see, we as Christians, we've got to know these things. We've got to know that our nation was founded by Christian people and for a Christian nation. Now, there's a lot more here that I won't read because of time, but you kind of get an idea that if you have any doubts about that, you shouldn't have any because we were founded that way. But something happened in 1963. That was when they threw God's word out of, out of schools. We're allowed to read from the Bible in schools anymore. Because years ago, they used to have, uh, they would, in the intercom, I don't know what they do now, whether they still have intercoms and that, they would go out over the, over the loudspeaker every morning, all the classes, and they would give the announcements for the day, and someone would pray, and someone would read something from the Bible. That happened until 1963. And we took that out. And then in 1965, not only did they take Bibles out of the school, they also made it against the law or forbid the kids from bowing their heads at lunchtime and praying out loud. You could pray silently, but you weren't allowed to pray out loud anymore in school. That's amazing to me. Throw everything out. In, 18, in 1831, there was a French historian called Alex de Torqueville. He wrote a book called Democracy in America. And this book was considered one of the greatest books written by someone from another nation about a different, another nation. And he said, he said, I sought for the key to the greatness and gen genius of America in her harbors, in her fer fertile fields and boundless forests, in her rich mines and vast world commerce, in her public school system and institutions of living. I sought for it in her de democratic Congress and her matchless constitution. Not until I went into the churches of America and heard her pulpits aflame with righteousness did I understand the secret of her genius and power. Someone from another country, when they came here, they knew what, where our power was, was in the churches. But what happened? We kicked God out. We kicked God out of our schools, out of everything that we have. 
and wonder what's wrong, what's wrong, what's going on. How has this affected us? I know years ago, we, uh, our pastor went up to the local police department, was talking to the chief of police there, and he had his map on the wall. And he seen all these pins on this wall, and they were kind of all clustered together in certain areas all over town. And, and he asked, he says, what is with these pins? And he says, oh, those are crimes that com- are committed in the community. And all those pins, or most of them, were circled around the schools. Used to be years ago, you wanted to grow up, and when you moved into a neighborhood, you want to know how far away is the school because you wanted to be close. That was a plus. Man, you, you, that was a good thing. You wanted to be closer. The closer your house was to the school your kids go to, the more in value your house was worth. But now, we don't want to live close to the schools. Why? Because that's where most of the crimes take place, right in the schools, right near the schools. They ain't got nothing better to do. Let's go slough and rob the neighbor. Let's go slough and break into somebody's house. And that's the reality of it. That isn't something that the Christians are talking about. Just go up to the police and ask them. Ask them about those kind of things. In 1973, Americans spent $10 million on pornography. 1973. Today, we spend $14 billion on pornography. And if you want to just go make some money, guaranteed money, go buy pornography stock. Go invest in pornography. You want to make money, that's the way to do it. Because it is a hot commodity. From 10 million to 14 billion. Wow, that's asinine. Just, the number just bobbles my mind that we spend that kind of money on it. Amazing. Statisticians estimate that one out of three girls and one out of seven boys will be molested before they, sexually molested before their 18th birthday. One out of three girls, one out of seven boys. Man, that's a scary figure. One out of three, so if you have four kids, one of them's going to be molested. And I can testify that those facts are true. Your girl or one out of seven. Because it's in my, you know, I had it in my family. Had it in my, you know, one of my sons was molested. And one of my grandkids was molested. So I know it's real. I mean, if, if you haven't been close to it, praise God. But it's out there. And it's amazing, all the stuff that's going on. 20% of Americans have a sexually transmitted disease. 20%. That just seems 20%. Wow, that's a lot. 50% of all American households are single parents. 33% of all births in USA are to single women. Most of them, a lot of them under the, you know, little kids. 15 years old, 12 to 15 year olds who are having kids, or their parents are talking them into having abortions. Teen pregnancy wasn't common. Now, a while back, they had that pregnancy pack that every, all their friends wanted to get pregnant over the summer, and most of them succeeded. Never thought I'd live to see the day. 45% of adults in America say homosexuality is acceptable. 45%. Excuse me, 85% of high school seniors say homosexuality is acceptable. 85% of our seniors in schools across America. Now, if they think that's acceptable, what's going to happen when all this legislature comes up? These guys are our future. These seniors are the future of America. And if 85% of them agree that it's okay, we have a problem. 86% believe the lie that homosexual is determined by birth. They've preached that so much in our schools that they've got everybody believing, well, you can't help it. You can't help it if you're a homosexual. You were born that way. It isn't your fault. It's your parents' fault. It's in their DNA, and it's your fault. And there ain't nothing you can do about it. But I'm here to tell you that there are a lot of gay people 
that have come out of that lifestyle. I know here a while back there was a big story about this lesbian couple. As soon as they legalized gay marriage, they, her and her partner went and got married. Well, this lady had had a little baby before, they, before this happened. And uh, after, about six months after they made this commitment of marriage, or what do you want to call it, debauchery, she got saved. She became a Christian. And God delivered her out of that lifestyle. So needless to say, that's great. But the flip side of that is now her ex-lover was suing her for joint custody of her baby. Of her baby. And what? The courts granted it. Do you believe that? The courts granted someone that isn't even related to the child joint custody. And the baby was about a year old or something. I'm going, what is wrong with this? And now she's starting to serve her, sue her to get total custody of this baby that isn't even hers. I never thought in my lifetime I'd see this stuff. It just amazes me. I know that when I was growing up, the worst problem you could find in schools was chewing gum and talking. And I did both of them very well. The talking, I did a lot of talking. And teachers back then, they weren't very generous with the way they treated you. I had teachers grab me by the hair of the head and beat my head in the wall, tell me to shut up. And I've had them go squeeze at the back of my shoulders, and I wouldn't even flinch. I was too mean and stubborn to let them know that it hurt, even though I was fighting off tears coming down my face. But that's the, that's the school I grew up in. I almost got expelled for skipping stairs. Wow. Oh, to go back to the olden days. Now you know why you young people want to know why we like the olden days so much. Well, that's why. Now we send our kids to school and we worry about them getting shot by some idiot with a gun. I never thought in my lifetime. All these things that's happened in our lifetime too because you're, you've seen it too. You've seen a lot of the changes, but I've seen a lot more from the 60s and a little before that, you know. Child abuse is up 2,300% as of 2000. 2,300%. Violent crime's up 995% since 1990. That's up from what it was. Illegal drug use is up 6,000% as of 2000. Divorce rates are up 111%. This is an older one of 1992. What's sad is that divorce in the church is just as common as outside the church, there's hardly any difference between divorce of people that go to church and people that don't. And now I think that they say about, you have a 50-50 chance of being divorced in our nation today. Because why? There's no commitment. You fall in and out of love just like you change your underwear in the morning or buy new socks. You get a hole in your sock, you throw them away, you get another one. That's the society we live in. Isaiah 59:14 says, And judgment is turned away backwards, and judges... Justice standeth afar off, for truth is fallen in the streets, and equity cannot enter. Does that sound like our nation? Truth is turned around backwards. Our nation doesn't know what's right and what's wrong. Why? Because we kicked God out. We kicked him out and don't know what happened. Well, I know what happened. We kicked God out. Our public ed education system has turned their back on God. Everything's taught. Evolution is taught in the, in the schools. We got... Uh, Alternate lifestyles being taught. We have everything being taught. We have tolerance being taught, except not tolerance for Christians. Now, there's a difference. And it's the only group that isn't protected under all, any legislation. We've got to protect people from this evil Christianity. They might be moral people. We don't want that. And one other thing that's scary is pastors. 
Pastors and churches in America are forsaking God. I never thought I'd live to see the day that pastors or churches or denominations would be ordaining gays. I, I, I can't even fathom that. I never thought it happened. But as our kids growing up, in the society today, they grow up and it's just part of life. So they just, it's no big deal. And pretty soon we're going to be a Sodom and Gomorrah because we're, we're so close now, it's scary. Jeremiah 2.8 says, The priest saith not, Where is the Lord? And they that handle the law knew me not. The pastors are also transgressed against me, and the prophets prophesied by Baal, and walked after things that do not profit. And Jeremiah 23, 1 and 2 says, Woe be unto you pastors that destroy and scatter my sheep, saith the Lord thereof. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Against the pastors that feed my people, you have scattered my flock, and driven them away, and have not visited them. Behold, I will visit upon you the evil of your doings. Pastors going to have an accounting coming up. I'm thankful to God that the, the Assemblies of God is not one of those denominations that's going to succumb to that kind of pressure. This church will not succumb to that kind of pressure. We're still going to preach the truth here. Irregardless of whether no one else does it, you can come here and know we're not going to accept homosexuality as an alternate lifestyle. We won't accept that. Because God says it's an abomination. Now why in the world do I want to shake my fist in God's face and say, I'm going to do it anyway? when he has no mixed words about doing it. Popular Christianity doesn't want to hear preaching about sin. If I wanted to fill this church, if pastor wanted to fill this church, all we got to do is say, oh, you're okay, it's all right, just come here and we'll just tickle your ears and tell you how wonderful you are and how good you are and how nice your little family is. We could fill this place. We could fill it up. We'd have to tear out the walls. And actually, we'd sell this and go buy a great big huge sanctuary if we preached that message. But we don't want to preach that message. We can't preach that message because God's word doesn't preach that message. God says we're all sinners and fallen short of the glory of God. Not me. God said it. And if you have a problem with that, take it up with the author. Because he's the one that says, I believe everything in this Bible, even something I may not know is there. If I see something new tomorrow I didn't know was in there, and I'll believe it. Because if God said it, that makes it so. It doesn't matter whether or not I believe it. It's still so. America is in the middle of the road of changing gods. And you say, well, how did that happen? What happened? Well, I'm reminded of a story about how you catch a wild pig, a wild boar. If you want to go catch wild boars in the forest, I'm going to tell you how to do it. What you do is you go in the forest, deep in the forest, where you know the wild boars, the wild pigs are living. And what you do is you dump a lot of corn there. Okay? And keep dumping the corn there. Pretty soon the pigs will start finding the corn there. And they'll start coming and they'll start eating it. And they kind of get used to, hey, this is pretty good. I'm just going to come here and get my free corn. So pretty soon they come and they eat the free corn. Day after day. And then after a while, then what you do is you go up and you put up a fence. On one side of the corn. The pigs come in, and they start to look at the fence, and, oh, man, I don't know about that. Oh, there's the corn. There's the corn. So they come in and they eat it, and they get, ignore the fence altogether. After a while, then they put up a fence on the other side. Pigs come in, same thing. They look at the fence. So, oh, oh, what's this? Oh, no big deal. I, I'm going to focus on the corn. Pretty soon, they come up, and they put a fence on the other side. Again, the pigs come in and say, oh, man, what's going on here? That looks different. Oh, well, free corn. Then they put a fence on the front of it and leave a gate open. Pretty soon the pigs come and they look at the whole fence and they, 
Say, oh man, I don't know, but oh man, just right there is that free corn. So they go into there and they eat the free corn, the whole herd, and all that they have to do is come and shut the gate. That's all they have to do. Oh, the pigs, oh, they squirm and they squeal for a little while, but pretty soon, free corn. They stay there and they quit complaining. That's what happens. That's what's happening to our nation. 86% of Americans say they believe in God. 86%. So why are we having such a problem? Why? Why are we having a problem? Because all that's necessary for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. That's what's, that's what's wrong with America. The good 86% of the people are doing nothing. In World War II, we're all familiar with that. They killed, what was it, 6 million Jews? Yeah, 6 million Jews. But they also killed 20 million Russians, and they killed 10 million Christians and 1,900 priests. Why? How do they do that? Well, because people look the other way. You know, they were coming after the Jews. I'm not a Jew, so I don't have to worry about it. Then they came after the Russians. Well, I'm not a Russian. I don't need to worry about that. And then some of them, well, I'm not a Christian. I don't have to worry about it. Well, pretty soon they're eventually going to come down to some group that qualifies, and then they're going to come after you. The problem is we need to stand up and start talking when they come to take the Jew or when they come to say, hey, we're going to take God out of our Pledge of Allegiance. We're going to take God out of here. That's when we need to start standing and get involved. Say Christians aren't supposed to be in politics. Who said so? The devil? That's who said don't get involved in politics. It's the devil. We need to be involved. If we're not involved, then we have a problem because God expects us to be involved. So I know this is a lot of doom and gloom, but there's hope. If I just left you there, we'd go home and go, oh, man, oh, we're in trouble. Oh, Lord, I'm waiting for the fire, for like Sodom and Gore to come down and devour us. I'm just waiting, you know, and just biding our time. There's something we can do. And I've got a list of things we can do. First thing we can do is live a holy life. Wow, what a concept. 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16 says, But as he hath called us, called you is holy, so be holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. If we live holy lives, and we don't steal, and we don't do all these things that we know that we shouldn't be doing as Christians, and we're living a holy life, that's a start. Because just as a match, and these dry weeds that are out here are going to start a fire, and are going to burn down a forest, the same thing can happen when we live righteously. Because we're going to stand out in the crowd. There's going to be something different about us. We need to forsake worldliness. 1 John 2, 15 through 17 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is in, not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes the way, and the lust thereof. But he that doth the will of God abideth forever. If we could just be so quick being so attached to the world, especially, you know, as Christians, it's all right to go out and, and buy new cars. It's okay to do those kind of things. But those can't be our main focus. If God blesses you with enough money to go buy a new car, praise the Lord. If God gives you enough money to be able to afford a nice house, praise the Lord. But we need to quit searching for that and that being our ultimate goal. We live in a society where money is everything. And, God t- and Jesus talked about money. Mammoth. He called it mammoth. It's an idol that we can worship when we're, we're so intent on money and getting money, that's all we can think about. Look at all the families that are, that are trashed because the father or the mother is too busy out there in their careers, they don't have time for their kids. I mentioned in Sunday school this morning about a father who took his son... Fishing. 
And he was about 10 years old, and they went fishing. And after that day, the father wrote in his journal, I just wasted the, a day of my life. I went fishing with my son. It was the worst day of my life. But then you look at the kid's journal, and it said, I just had the best day of my life because I, my dad took me fishing, and I got to spend the whole day with him. Perspective. The father was more interested in gaining success and getting other things. And God will see to it that we get things. We don't have to have that as our ultimate goal because if you seek me first, all these things I will add unto you. I will give it to you. We don't have to go out of our way to seek these things. This is what, well, something we're, we're all familiar with. If we follow this, 2 Corinthians 7.14, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and will forgive their sins, and will heal their land. That's pretty simple. I think every year across America, I think that, that scripture is probably read somewhere, in most of our churches. But we forget that it says, if my people, it didn't say if America humbles themselves, it says if my people will humble themselves. That's us. That's the Christians. We need to humble ourselves because it's a very humbling experience when you go to God and say, God, I confess this, that we, as Ameri we Americans, we are living in sin. We approve of homosexuality. We approve of this and we approve of that. And we do all these things and start confessing the sins of our nation and asking God to intervene. It's hard for us to, to pray for something we aren't doing because we don't like being blamed for something we didn't do. I hated it as a kid. I got punished sometimes for things I didn't do. Because their lie was better than my truth. I was a, you know, there's a better liar and I was a truth teller, I guess. <laughs> and I got punished for things I didn't do. So that's normal for us not to want to do that. But the, the scripture says that we have to do that. We have to humble ourselves and pray and confess the sins of our nation. And ask God to forgive America's sin. And send a revival to our nation. Because that's the only way that something's going to happen. We need to pray for our political leaders. 1 Timothy 2, 1 and 2 says, I exert therefore that first of all, supplication, prayer, intercession, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and honesty. We need to be praying for our leaders. If you're not praying for your leaders, then you know, you get, we're getting what we deserve. We need to pray for our leaders. We need to ask God, God, speak to their hearts because God can do it. God says, I raised up nations and I can tear them down. God is the one that founded America. It was God's idea, not ours. It was God's idea because he's used America in a mighty way to send the gospel out to other nations because they're in darkness. Well, I'm here to tell you those, those other countries are starting to send missionaries to our country because we're more lost than they are. We're calling things that, aren't, that, aren't, that are sin, not sin. Just a, with a whisk of a tent. It's not a sin to live a homosexual lifestyle. It doesn't matter. We're just doing it in our legislatures. And we need to do something else. We need to vote biblically. Matthew 5, 13 and 14 says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its favor, savor, wherein shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and be trotting underfoot. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. It doesn't take a lot of light to light up a dark room. This, this room could be completely dark, pitch black. You couldn't see your hand in front of your face. And I just lit a little teeny match. It would brighten up this room. And, things, and if you're in this darkness, you're going to be drawn to that light. That's why God want, doesn't want us to hide in our lamp, lamp under a bushel. That's why God doesn't want us hiding the fact that we're Christians. We need to let people know we're Christians. We need to let them see us live Christian lives, live holy lives. We need to see them. 
They need to see us bowing our heads and praying before we eat. So they let them know we are thankful. Because that's what the biggest sin we have. Another biggest sin we have is that we're not thankful. There's nothing worse than an ungrateful brat. I hated it, you know, when our kids grew up. We had, my husband's mother used to make things for the, you know, the kids. And oh man, if I could have got something handmade for my grandma, oh man, I thought that'd be the greatest thing in the world. Not my kids. Hmm. Don't want that. Ungrateful little... I remember one Christmas, we, we was opening Christmas presents, and uh, we're sitting all under the tree, and our kids were, I mean, they were in high school. So it wasn't like they were 10 years old or something. So we bought them clothes. And, you know, we took turns opening presents, like we, probably you all do. And he would open this present and a shirt. Yeah, I hate this shirt. Okay, and they weren't cheap shirts either. I think I paid like 20 bucks a shirt for them, and this was like 25 years ago or longer, I don't remember. So I just walked over to him, Took his shirt out of his hand and said, here, Neil. They were the same size. <laughs> here you go, Neil. Next time around, here it comes. Oh, no, sir, I hate this. I didn't want no stinky clothes. Here, Neil. Did that three times. After the third time, he start, finally smartened up. Hey, wait a minute here. I've I, I, I got a problem. Oh, you can return. They have a return policy. I can take it back. All right. Which he did take a lot of his stuff back and get his money for it, but... Oh, well, I didn't buy him any more school clothes until the next year, so if he didn't have a shirt to wear, too bad. But Neil, oh, man, he loved that. He thought that was great. Man, I got more than, more than anybody else because I got extra presents. Hey, that's great. So we need to be a light in the darkness. We need to vote biblically, and that includes every election. I don't care whether it's a councilman. I don't care whether it's whatever it is. We need to vote that way. And we need to find out what their politics is. We are so lax in America that we don't care. We say, oh, well, I like the way he smiles. We got a whole group following people because, well, they, want to, they wanted a woman president. So let's follow her. Why? Because she's a woman. Is she qualified? Who cares? She's a woman. We want a woman in the White House. Oh, great. Well, you know, it would be great. I'd be for that. But no, nah, I want a moral woman in there. Because if you're moral, you don't have to worry about them scuzzying up the White House with bringing women in or bringing men in or whatever the case may be, because the women are just as bad as men are. And that's a sign of the end times, when the women are just as bad and immoral as the men are. We're, we're right on the edge of falling over. So we have to vote and look at their records. And with today's society, it's easy. All you got to do is go online and about what are their policies. They'll tell you. Men, if I see abortion, you're out. I don't believe in abortion, so why in the world would I vote for somebody that does? That's like saying, well, too bad, God. You know, I like him. I like him better than the other guy. And sometimes that's what we do. We vote the guy we like better. But we're accountable to God for our votes. And we need to pray people in office, and we need to pray them out of office. If we've got immoral people in office, let's pray them out. Get rid of them. God, get rid of them. I don't care how you get rid of them. If they won't listen to you, kill them. David prayed, prayed kill them, God, kill them. <laughs> kill his enemies. <laughs> God's enemies, it's okay. <laughs> That's up to God. But we've got to pray them out of office. We've got to quit standing and letting all this stuff happen and keeping our mouths shut. Romans 13, 11 and 12 says, And that knowing the time is now, is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than we believed. The night is far sped. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Time is short. If you know anything about prophecy, you know that we're so close. All the day, doomsday clocks, they got like about a minute before the hour of doomsday. And we're closer every day. And 
I don't know when that's going to happen. I know there's certain things that have to happen. The rapture of the church, the millennium has to happen before everything happens, before everything's done. And then we have the little, little season where the devil's loose to check all the people that, that were living righteous lives in the millennium when they were forced to, and we're going to have a judgment. Those things have, you know, they're going to happen. If everything else in this Bible happened, that's going to happen. And we need to act like that. We need to know that, that the time is short. We need to start being more aware of our surroundings. We need to ask God to help us to be, more, be better witnesses to people. And we'll take every opportunity we can to speak out for Christ and let our light shine and quit hiding our reality. Romans 1, 28-32. And I'm going to read this in the Message Bible because I really like the way it reads it. Since they didn't bother to acknowledge God, God quit bothering them and let them run loose. And then all hell broke out broke loose. Rampant evil, grabbing and grasping, vicious backstabbing. They have made life hell on earth with their envyings, wanton killing, bickering and cheating. Look at them, mean-spirited, venomous, forked-tongued, godbashers, bullies, swaggers, insufferable windbags. Sounds like politicians to me, insufferable windbags. They keep inventing new ways of wrecking lives. They ditch their parents when they get in the way, stupid, slimy, cruel, cold-blooded. And it's not as if they don't know better. They know perfectly well they are spitting in God's face. They don't care. They hand out prizes to those who do the worst things. We didn't want to hold God in our knowledge. As a nation, we've kicked him out. So God says, hey, you don't want to be bothered with me? I'm not going to bother you. You do whatever you want then. But you're still going to be judged for it. But we as Christians need to make a, be aware that our time is short, and we don't have all that time that we think we might have ahead of us. We have to do everything we can because the day is far spent, and we don't know how much time we have, especially in our own families. I mean, if we don't care that our own families are going to go to hell, then we have a problem. We need to come to God and say, God, give me a love for people. Help me to love them as you love them, because that's the only way we can do it. I can't love anybody in my own strength. Some of these people are unlovely, and sometimes I'm unlovable. My husband didn't say amen. Okay, that's good. <laughs> there's some people that are hard to love but there's no one too hard for God to love God loves everybody the same he loves us the same as he does that drunk that's sitting in the gutter down on whatever they, they hang out in he loves us the same he loves me as much as he loved Paul hey that was sure ego doesn't it God loves me just as much as he loves Paul ah, that's great but he loves everybody else that we come in contact with the same and when we come to God and we allow him to love through us, because that's what he wants us to do. He commanded us to love people. Well, if it's a command, it's something that we have to do, right? Well, in our own power, we can't do that. We have to be able to love people in his strength and in his power. And when we come to him, we can allow him to do that through us. I can't love people. Some days I couldn't even love my own kids. They were so ornery and, mm, you know, all you could do, you know, the reason, I don't know, God gives us babies instead of full-grown babies. Like Adam, God created Adam a full-grown man. I know why. If you've had kids, kids, I know why he did that. I raised kids. They're not fun sometimes. Between all the messy diapers and all the other kind of things. Well, God, when he created man, he created one full-size, full-grown. Be nice if you could do that. Say, oh, okay, I'll pick them up when they, when they turn into a human being. Sometimes, sometimes that's not till they're 30 is the problem. It's amazing when, you're, when your kids, you're raising your kids... They grow up, and, they, and they, when you're little, they think, oh, man, my dad can fix anything. My mom can do anything. Man, they're just so smart and so intelligent. Well, as the years pass, pretty soon they say, oh, my mom and dad are so stupid. They don't know anything. They're so square. 
Oh, man, they, that'll just drive you crazy. And all their friends are going, yeah, preach it, sister. Yeah, preach it. And then all of a sudden, when they turn, well, it depends on the kid. Some of them are a little slower than others. Some of them walk fast. Some of them walk slow. Some of them learn fast. Some of them learn slow. Maybe about 25 to 30, they start w- waking up and they say, oh, man, my parents, you know, they were pretty smart. So we gain our intelligence back after about 25 years of suffering. We get to get the intelligent. And we get to see it in, in our kids' eyes. And they say, oh, man, no, my parents weren't so stupid. And all of a sudden they think, man, how did you get so smart? How did you stay so dumb so long? That's, more, that's the question I want to know. But he made a baby so they'd be so cute and we'd so love him and we'd get so attached to him that we couldn't get rid of him. <laughs> that's why he made babies and made them cute. Just like a puppy. Puppies are really cute. And then some of them, they turn into dogs and they're not as fun anymore. That's why I got a little dog that's a minpin. And it, it looks still like a puppy even though it's full grown. So that's how you get around that. But God wants us to raise our homes because that's our first line of defense is in our homes. We, we didn't have the privilege of raising our kids in a Christian home because we got saved after our kids were gone or mostly grown. But God has still honored our testimony in that in the lives of our kids and a lot of them made, made decisions for Christ and I'm thankful for that. Our, our oldest daughter is really on fire for God now and I'm thankful for that. But we have the responsibility of doing it in the home. If we do it in our home, that spreads out to the community. If everyone just in the homes, just in the Christian homes, would start raising their children biblically, things would happen. Because it's contagious. Just as sin is contagious, so is godliness. This is, uh, of course, 4th of July, and we're so thankful for our freedom. And uh, the definition of a, a veteran I, w- I read was somebody, somebody, a man or a woman, that at one point in their life wrote a blank check to America up to and including their death. That's what a veteran is. That's the definition of a veteran. They gave, they're willing to give everything in their life for this nation and for what they believe. Now, if we want to make a difference in our country, no better way to do it than write a blank check to God and say, up to and including my very life. And we'll do, if we do that, then we can make a difference. We won't make a difference if we don't. If we keep sitting down and we should be standing up, nothing's going to happen. But it doesn't take a lot of people to make a change. Have you ever noticed that a, get one, air, one rotten apple in a bushel basket? If you don't get that, that thing out of there, what's going to happen? The whole bushel is going to be gone. The whole bushel is going to be bad. Well, you put something good in society and it where it rubs off too. Maybe not to where we seem like it's doing much good, but God's the one that's keeping score, and God knows, and God can see what's happening. But you can't get near water, can't get in the shower without getting a little bit clean. Maybe you only stick part of your head in, but some of it's going get, to get clean, and that's the reality. It may take some time, and it's going to take some time, but if all of us, just the ones that are here, if we vow that we're going to pray for America every day of our lives and pray for leadership and pray for righteousness to rule again in this nation then something's going to happen because God moves through prayer. Prayer is the force that moves God. And our nation was founded upon these principles. That's why we're so great. And the reason we're not as great as we were was because we kicked God out. You can't kick the foundation out of, a, out of something and expect it to survive. If you go in there and run something under the foundation of your house, that, that house isn't going to stand. It's going to fall. We have to keep the foundation sure. So that's what we need to do. We need to rebuild 
the foundations. We need to get back to our roots. We need to get back to what made this country great. And we need to quit allowing the politicians to start making legislation against religion because that's not their job. It isn't their job, and we need to tell them that. I write my congressman regularly. Every time they do something, whatever, it looks like something's going on, email them. It's so easy to email your politicians. So easy. And they, a lot of times they'll respond with a letter or with an email. They will. Everyone I've sent, I've always got a response back. But if enough people bother them, something's going to happen. We proved that here, I guess it was last year when they wanted that one uh, series that they had where it was going to be the representation of Jesus where he's supposed to have been a drunk and on drugs and things like that. And there was such a cry, outcry in the uh, Christian community, and they got so many inv- emails about it, they pulled the show. So we have that power. 86% of us believe in God. So how can they take under God out of our Pledge of Allegiance and 86% believe in God? I, I can't. It's because they're sitting down and shutting up. That's how, that's how come they're doing it. The reason that homosexuality agenda is so popular is because they only make up about 1% or 2% of the population. But they're making the most noise. And when you make noise, what happens? You oil the squeak. If you, doesn't squeaks just drive you crazy if you've got a squeak somewhere in the floor, if you're walking on the floor, and every time you step on that spot, it gets squeak, and you sit there, and you go like this. I don't know whether you think you're going to get the squeak out that way because it drives you crazy. And that's what happens in our society. They make the most noise, so they're the ones the politicians are going to listen to. And the devil has seen to it that they have plenty of money to be able to buy off these. Oh, they call it, what do they, what do they, what do they call those people that go up there and try to influence legislators? Yeah. They, they give them lots of money to support their cause. And that's their job. Okay, I don't care. I'm just going to take the money. Take the money. So we as Christians need to start making more noise. We need to start saying we're not going to stand for it anymore. There was, a, there was a show years ago, probably some of you don't remember it, about a newspaper man. And he, things were going on in the world he didn't like, and they were kind of starting to dictate to him what he could print, what he couldn't print. And so he started, he said, I've had enough of it. He opened the window of his house and yelled out, I'm mad, and I'm not going to take it anymore. And he kept yelling that pretty soon another neighbor said, I'm mad, and I'm not going to take it anymore. I'm mad, I'm not going to take it anymore. And it just filtered out through the whole area. Well, that's what we got to do. We as Christians got to say, I'm mad. I'm tired of the, the liberals and the, the sinful people that have thrown God out of everything telling me what I can do, what I can't do, what I can believe and what I can't believe. Because if, we, if something isn't done, they're going to pass legislature that we're going to have to start hiring people to work in our churches that aren't even Christians. Now, that's scary. I, don't, I wouldn't want somebody that, you know, believe, living a homosexual lifestyle teaching my Sunday school class, would you? They won't in this church. Won't happen in this church. I don't care what they do. They can haul us off to jail. They might someday. That day may be coming unless we, as the 86%, start doing something about it. America, I'm reminded of a, um, there's a little story. Some teacher was her name. I'm trying to think of her name here. Martha. Cothran or something like that. She was a social study teacher at Robertson High School in Little Rock, Arkansas. And she got permission to do this. And what she did is she went to, in the first day of school, she went and she cleared out all the desks out of the classroom. And the students, of course, well, came in, you know, seven, seven classes that they had in the school. The students came in and they looked around and there was no desks and they said, well, Mrs. Corhan, where are the desks? Where are we supposed to sit? 
And he says, you don't get a desk until you tell me how you, what you have done to earn it. Well, the kids thought, well, huh? I got good grades. Will that get me a desk? No. My dad is the mayor. Will that get me a, get me a desk? No. And this went on through the first period. Second period comes in. Same thing. Where's the desks? I don't know. What have you done to earn one? Well, and they start naming out all these things that they've done. They started naming their good works, the things that they did, because we live in a society where if you do good works, you get rewarded. Well, God doesn't work on that scale. Thank God. <laughs> he doesn't work on that scale. No desks. So this went on throughout all, all that day. The seventh period came around. Still no desks. So the kids came in and just sat on the floor and sit there and, well, why? What do we have to do? What do we have to do to earn a desk? And the teacher finally opened the door and 26 servicemen walked in and each one of them placed a desk in the classroom. One after one after one. 26 Desks were brought in and laid on the floor as the students watched. And the teacher, after they left, they stood over against the wall and said, See, none of you here did anything to earn those desks. These are the guys that earned these desks for you. These are the guys that fought and are fighting for your freedom so you can sit in this desk. They're the ones that earned these desks for you. Now, that was quite a lesson. And that was a true story. It wasn't something that was made up. It was true. Of course, it made the headlines. Of course, we don't hear it on good things like that on the news because don't want that to happen. Don't want people supporting our military. Don't want people being patriotic. That would be, oh, can't have that because if you're patriotic, then all of a sudden you put God back in it. As Christians, that same thing applies. There's nothing that we can do to be saved. Nothing that we can do. God did it all. He paid for the penalty for our sin. And that's what we have to do. We just have to look to him and we're saved. That's it. It's that simple. I want to be a veteran. I want to be a Christian veteran. I want to write a blank check to God and say, use me in any way you can. I want to do that. How about you this morning? How about you? Anybody here willing to take that pledge that from now on I'm going to start praying for my leaders? I'm going to start praying for my, my voting habits? I'm going to start praying for everybody in government? We should. Because if we don't, God's going to hold us accountable. I hope that every time we think about Fourth of July and our freedom, and every day we enjoy Him, and every day we hear an article on the on the news about somebody else that's had to give, been in uh, persecution because of faith, or those kind of things, I hope we are thankful, because we don't want to live in a nation that's ungrateful, and we can make a difference. We can make a difference. God is. Put patriotism in our hearts. because we, we're, You can't be a uh, Christian without being patriotic. His banner over us is love. His banner, banners will fly. Or the kingdom of 